Today we have Brian DeCook with Peace Fire. He developed all the curriculum and teaches it throughout the world. We're just going to hear a little bit about what it is on uh, conflict resolution and how to handle conflicts in a Christian way. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well, Brad. Thanks for having me today. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a pleasure having you. So can you tell us a little bit about the curriculum you developed? I sure can. Uh, my background prior to going into uh, full-time ministry was as an attorney and uh, practice law. I've had my license for about 27 years now, and, and so practiced most of the last 25 years. And over the course of my career, encountered a number of clients who were believers and followers of Jesus Christ. I've been a follower of Jesus Christ since uh, 1976 and had certain expectations of Christian clients. There are certain assumptions that I had made about the Christian clients that I would encounter when I began practicing. And those assumptions proved to be um, incorrect, and uh, as my assumptions often are. And I uh, soon quickly found out that most of my Christian clients responded to conflict no differently than clients who were not followers of Jesus Christ. By that, I mean that, uh, you know, there are certain things that the Lord instructs us to do as his followers, how to treat people. Uh, we're to be a forgiving people, a merciful people. We're to treat people the way he's treated us. And uh, there are certain opportunities we have in conflict to be his ambassadors, to represent the heavenly kingdom in the midst of our daily lives. And conflict is, is part of that. And uh, the conflict brings so much to bear on us sometimes, tension, stress, damage to relationships, puts pressure on relationships. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, the Lord began to teach us, uh, as we sought him and prayed over these dynamics of conflict, of how, how can we help our brothers and sisters respond to conflict as his ambassadors, rather than either as victims to conflict or as uh, people seeking their own own desired outcome in the midst of conflict. And so over the last several years, we have developed resources to equip individual believers and groups of believers to respond to conflict as ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And so we're, we're really, our, our target audience, it consists of men and women in churches, missionaries, pastors, leaders who want to respond to conflict, who know that there's more in their conflicts than they're experiencing in their relationship with Jesus Christ that they're missing something there, that, the, that when their conflicts are either resolved or concluded, um, that they, they don't sense that they've garnered all of the treasure that the Lord may have had for them in that conflict. And there's a sense of missing out on something. And so we're, we're targeting that space, uh, that there is an abundance of opportunity in the midst of conflict to grow to become more like Jesus Christ and for Jesus Christ to uh, use you as, a, as his ambassador, to bless people, to accomplish his purpose and to uh, in, in enhance your relationship with him in that process of going through conflict. Yeah, and last time we talked a little bit about perspectives and how a lot of times people don't realize people have different perspectives. And, you know, you had the example, I think it was a Purell bottle, but how people can see it, but you see two different sides to it. And you have to kind of understand the other person's side or try to understand the other person's side. Yeah, there is that aspect of conflict, right? That's a great question. Thanks for asking that. 
there's an aspect of conflict that is that aspect that's just between uh, you and me, if we're having a conflict. And uh, then there's another perspective on the conflict, and that's the conflict of our Heavenly Father. And what is his perspective on what's happening between us? Is our our resources, we, we try to make things as simple as possible. I'm not a very smart guy. And we also try to keep it memorable, something you can use in the midst of conflict. Because in, in, in many, con- there are a lot of great conflict resolution resources available, how to do mediation, how to negotiate, all these tactics and things you can use to respond to conflict. But we're after something a little more weighty than that. And we're, we're after our, how, how does our relationship with Jesus Christ impact the way I respond to conflict? And the way that we address that in simple terms is with a, a metaphor of using two fires. And the two fires of conflict that we talk about in our resources are the peace fire and the wildfire. Now, the wildfire represents the the dynamics of conflict in this world, and just absent of any spiritual dynamic that we bring to it with our relationship in Jesus Christ. So if you and I are fighting about this, here's my hand sanitizer. Uh, So a little bottle of Purell hand sanitizer, and it represents whatever it is that's at the root of our conflict. We're fighting over this thing. And uh, as, as you look at that bottle of hand sanitizer, you see the label, the Purell logo, and uh, the description of the product. From my perspective, I see a barcode and an expiration date. And we could be called into court to testify about our conflict and about this bottle. And uh, you would testify on the stand. You'd sit down, the judge would swear you in, and you would be asked by an attorney, Mr. Burke, what did you see? And you would describe the the contents on the front of that bottle. You would step down and I would be called to the stand and I would be seated and the attorney would ask me the same question, Mr. DeCook, what did you see? And I would respond by telling him I saw a barcode and a uh, expiration date. We would both be giving truthful testimony. We would, neither one of us would be lying, but our testimonies would differ uh, because our perspective on the conflict on the bottle is is limited to uh, where we are, what we see, and what our interests are. And and so in the when we're in the wildfire, when we're in the conflict, that's what we're limited to, what we see, what we feel, what we think. And the focus in the wildfire in responding to conflict is who's right, right? Who's going to win? And that's what our court system is set up to do, identify a winner and a loser. It's not really concerned about relationships. It's not concerned about the future relationship with parties or even the past relationship with the parties. It's what that right now in this circumstance with this bottle, who gets the bottle, who's who's right, who's wrong. And when we face conflict that way, we're limited in what we're going to experience because we're going to be limited by, uh, we're focused on the bottle. So the bottle's all there is. That's what it's about. And we may even pray about the bottle. Lord, I really would love to have that bottle. Bless my attorney. Let him, let, let him or her give a great argument today so that I get the bottle. You're praying the same thing. And we're two brothers in the Lord. We're just, we couldn't come to agreement over this. And we're just fixated on this bottle. Who's going to get it? And and that's the wildfire. And out of that desire for the bottle, I'm going to be focusing on that bottle and what I need to do to get it. And so that's the wildfire. And our our relationship will be impacted by our emotion, by our our hopes, hope for outcome, our desired outcome, and what our attorneys say to one another and what they say about you and what your attorney says about me and 
we will, our relationship will be affected by that. And at the end of the day, the judge will give the bottle to one of us or the other. Or we may go to mediation or arbitration and we may split the bottle. And uh, maybe, maybe you'll get the cap and uh, what's in the bottle. You'll get the hand sanitizer and I'll just get the empty bottle. We may call that a win-win. You've got some, I got some. But by the time you leave the mediation hall and get to your car, you're thinking, oh boy, that that was really a nice bottle that Brian got. I didn't get that bottle. And what am I going to put this hand sanitizer in since I don't have a bottle, right? And I'll be at my car holding an empty bottle and thinking, wow, Brad really got the better end of the deal. He got the hand sanitizer. I can't, there's nothing in this bottle. I can't do anything with it. I don't even have a cap for it anymore. And uh, we may have called that a win-win, but our relationship hasn't grown. We Now we're not talking to each other because we've uh, been fighting about this hand sanitizer. It's impacted our relationship. And now we can't even talk to one another about it because it's over. The one thing that we could have talked about our relationship while we were still fighting about this bottle, but we're so focused on the bottle that um, we forget about the relationship dynamics that are involved. And so how do we focus on on something different? And that something different that I'm talking about is the peace fire, the, the second fire of conflict. And the peace fire represents our relationship with Jesus Christ. What he wants us, to, what he wants to accomplish in that conflict. Because what there there are three things we talk about in our course about three things every ambassador, every conflict ambassador must know. And those three things are that the Lord is always at work, that we're called to pursue peace, and that uh, we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And these three things keep us focused on what the Lord's doing in the midst of a conflict and what he would have us to do. A story in Joshua chapter 5 about uh, Joshua encountering a pre-incarnation appearance of Jesus Christ. Israel has just crossed over the Jordan, and they're in the promised land, and they're getting ready to attack the city of Jericho. Joshua encounters Jesus Christ with his sword drawn, and he asks him a great question. He says, are you, who are you for? Are you for us or are you for our enemies? Right? It's a good question to ask someone who um, has their sword drawn. And we would think the Lord would respond to that question by saying, well, Joshua, I'm, I'm for you. I've been waiting here 40 years uh, since you left Egypt, and we're, uh, you know, we're going to take Jericho. Let's talk about it. But that's not what he said. He said, in response to Joshua's question, are you for us or for our enemy? He, in the King James, his response is, nay, I'm neither for you nor for your enemies, but as captain of the army of the Lord, I have come. Take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And so Joshua takes off his shoes. He humbles himself, bows down before the Lord, and he asks him a question. And this is the question that every conflict ambassador has the privilege to ask in every conflict we encounter. Rather than asking the Lord to bless my attorney so I can get this bottle, rather than ask him that I can win and asking him just for his help, Joshua asks the Lord, what do you want, your servant? That is what we're after, you know, at the peace fire. Lord, what do you want me to do? Because if I'm involved with what you're doing, it's going to go well for me, regardless of what happens in this conflict. I may get the bottle. I may not get the bottle. But if I'm doing what the Lord wants me to do, I'm going to be a blessed person. And I'm going to have a peace that uh, passes understanding. That peace that only comes from Jesus Christ is going to be mine because I am uh, I'm seeking him, I'm honoring him, and I'm letting him direct me and lead me. And so that I can trust that whatever happens with this bottle, I'm, the Lord has me covered. He'll get me another bottle if I need it. And if I don't need it, then it wasn't worth fighting about in the first place. And so in that position at the peace fire, the Lord can do a number of things. He can change me. He can transform me more into the image of Jesus Christ by 
uh, showing me what he wants me to do, I'm going to learn something there. It also gives him the opportunity to show me where I'm off outside of his will in this conflict, seeking my own desired outcome, uh, focus more on the bottle than on him. He can expose things there that he wants to change. And he can also use me to bless other people. It's so at the peace fire, we're seeking the Lord's presence in order to understand his purpose and then receive his power to respond to conflict in a way that's, you know, astonishing. That's probably radically different than we would otherwise respond to it. It's not going to be about pursuing our desired outcome, but pursuing his desired outcome. And we only can dis- discern what that is by spending time with him, by seeking him, uh, and and then responding as he leads us in the wildfire. And a picture of what we're talking about, one of the first um, stories that we use from the Old Testament is Daniel chapter 3 in the story of uh, Daniel's three friends who are thrown into the fiery furnace by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're thrown into this fiery furnace, and all of a sudden there's a fourth man in the fire. And these three young men who are thrown into the fire with their hands and their feet bound are now up walking in this fire with the fourth man. And King Nebuchadnezzar, from his vantage point, sees into the fire. He says, didn't we throw three men in, I see four, and the fourth looks like a son of man, a son of God. And uh, so they stayed in that fire. They didn't run out of that fire. You know, if you and I were thrown in that fire and all of a sudden we could get up and walk around, I don't know about you, I'd be heading for the exit, right? Not what they did. There's something about that presence of the fourth man that turned that place of, you know, certain death into a place of of peace for them. They were walking around. Uh, it turned it into a place of purpose for them. The Lord used that to not only save their life, but to promote them in their position in the kingdom of Babylon. And the king promoted them after they came out of that fire. And, it, and it's a place of power, you know, where the Lord's preserving power and his power that then uh, impacted King Nebuchadnezzar and the whole kingdom of Babylon as he issues a declaration after they come out of that fire. And so that's a picture, a great word picture for us of what uh, conflict can look like for us. We can go into that fire and be focused on the fire, focused on everything that's that's terrible around us, and uh, woe is me, and Lord, save me from this fire. Or uh, we can recognize that there's something more going on in this fire, and that there's a fourth man in the fire with us. In every conflict we encounter, Jesus Christ is, is our fourth man in the fire. And he gives us the opportunity to seek his presence, to in, enjoy his peace that passes understanding, and Uh, Let him reveal to us his purpose and provide his power to respond uh, as he leads us to respond, which will be as his ambassador, uh, an ambassador of the heavenly kingdom. And what an honor and a privilege it is for us, especially in these days there's so much conflict. People are are, uh, fighting about everything these days. Everything's been politicized. And uh, it is very difficult to even have a conversation of any length or depth with anyone without one of you getting offended, right? about something that you disagree with, about the other person has said. And uh, this this changes that dynamic. The Lord changes that dynamic for us because our priorities change and our um, the way we treat people changes and the way we approach conflict changes. And uh, So it's a, it is an area of um, life that when the Lord gets a hold of us in our conflicts and can use us there, um, amazing things happen for us and our perspective on conflict changes. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It gets back to, you mentioned a couple things, but, you know, his will. And then I I really feel the more you live and devote to Christ, the more he'll give you, whether it might be uh, doing the peace fire 
or you know whether it comes to money anything like that the better you do the more he'll give you if you're doing it foolishly there's just more you're gonna have issues yes that's so yeah we're all in this um sanctification process as followers of jesus christ right and he's transforming us more and more into his image and he uses whatever we give him (laughs) he'll take whatever wherever we are he is going to meet us there and he is going to continue the work he's begun in us and uh until we you know pass that current test that's before us he'll continue to pursue us and continue to work on that area of our life and until we get delivered until that area of our life changes and in the way that one of the ways he uses conflict in that process is to expose things about us. You know, we spend a, a significant portion of this uh, resource of the two fires course is spent on talking about the role of offense in conflict. And it's really the heart of conflict is in, in when conflict begins is when someone takes offense. And I'm talking about conflict in a personal relationship. When someone is offended is when the wildfire ignites. You know, we can disagree about any number of topics. We can disagree about the Purell bottle even, you know, and, um, and not have a wildfire start. Um, but once you or I say something or do something that offends the other, uh, the fire's on. And and when that fire is lit, when someone takes offense, that reveals something about um, one or both parties. It re- definitely reveals something about the person who takes offense um, because there's something about that situation that offended them. And when we talk about offense, we're, we're talking about a Greek word in the New Testament, scandalon. And scandalon, the root word of scandalon, refers to the, the meaning of that word, refers to the bait stick on a trap. And so when we think about offense, Think about it being a trap. Our culture thinks just the opposite of offense. We look at offense as a, um, uh, something we're justified in taking offense. And the person who is offended is entitled to uh, and almost given a license to say or do anything they want toward the person who offended them because um, they're offensive. Right? Um, but what Jesus taught about offense was just the opposite. He said, don't, don't stay in that trap of offense. Get out of the trap of offense. If your hand has caused you to be offended, cut it off. If it's your foot, if where you're going is causing you to be offended, cut it off. Don't go. If uh, your eye, things you're looking at are causing you to be offended, uh, quit looking. Gouge out that eye. Don't look at those things. And he's using strong hyperbole to get his point across. Get out of that trap. Get back where you belong. And, and right after he talks about that in Matthew 18, he then talks about this parable of the lost sheep. And, you know, when, when we're offended, we think we are justified in taking offense. We've, we've judged the other person. They, they're wrong, what they did to us. And they need to, we think they are in the trap. They need to do something to get out of the trap. Before we'll let them out of the trap, they need to do something to make it right in our eyes. And we're demanding, right? As the offended person, I'm making the demand. But when... Jesus talks about that dynamic. He says, now the person who caused offense, yeah, it's not that they're right. It's not that they have a right to cause offense. In fact, he says, they're worth having a millstone hung around their neck and thrown into the sea, right? That's, uh, that's their, uh, that's their uh, outcome. And so don't be the person who goes around causing offense. But to the person who is offended, he says, get out of that trap. Don't stay offended. And then he says, be careful that you don't despise one another in, this, in, this, in the context of conflict. Don't despise that person you're offended by or that you, you have offended, who's taken offense at something you did that maybe you did innocently. I mean, offense is often 
you know, not, uh, you know, the perspective that goes into taking offense is often in, incorrect. It's not complete. We don't see why the person is doing what they're doing or saying what they're saying. And so when they do that, we take offense, but we, we don't know the whole story. And so we may find later, oh, I didn't really have the right to take offense there. I, I was wrong. But when we're offended, we know we're right, right? I know it's a bark. You know it says Purell. And we are right to that extent. But Jesus says, get out of that trap. And the goal is to restore the relationship. Seek peace. You know, pursue peace with all people, not just believers. Pursue peace with everyone. Uh, it, it, these are amazing commandments, but in the, when we think about them in light of our relationship with Jesus Christ, they make perfect sense. They only cause us confusion when we're focused on the wildfire. Well, what if I don't get the bottle? Well, what about what he did? What about what she said? You know, we're focused on the, all the facts and the circumstances, and we're not looking to the one who has the capacity to take all of this mess and bring beauty out of those ashes. Uh, to make something astonishing and, and that helps relationships get stronger through conflict rather than, than damaged or diminished. The Lord is expert at doing that. He, he's, he, he is a way maker. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. And his love is powerful and it changes us. And so these opportunities that exist around the trap of offense are are tremendous. And he uses them to change us and bring us along in that sanctification process, if we will take the time uh, to seek him and let him speak to us through uh, through his word and through prayer and through other brothers and sisters. Yeah, just imagine if we took a little bit more time to self-reflect during conflict and not just self-reflect, but give it to him. You know, he knows so much more than us. And we, a lot of times, want to step into that role um, of, you know, a leader where we're really the servant and he's a leader and if we keep that in mind the conflict kind of dissolves itself yeah it's a temptation for leaders you know as, as leaders um you know maybe maybe we're an elder at a church maybe we're a pastor maybe we're a counselor and we we deal with people who have conflict and they bring their conflicts to us because of the role we play and the temptation to want to fix people. I can fix it. That's why I'm here. I'm going to fix this for you, you know, is, uh, is significant. That's a significant temptation. Um, but it's not, um, you know, even that opportunity is a, it's a discipleship opportunity. It is a teaching opportunity. It's an opportunity to help equip this person who's coming to me with the tools to seek the Lord in the midst of their conflicts and to do these things for themselves and to develop their, their, in their sanctification process, develop their relationship with Jesus Christ and to give them these tools to uh, respond to conflict differently. And that's, that's why we, our primary focus is on training leaders who can equip others as we reach more people that way. But um, it is a significant opportunity for a leader to shepherd people through conflict in a way that brings them closer to Jesus Christ uh, rather than just fix their problem, which usually doesn't go well anyway <laughs> for me <laughs> when I've tried to do that. And I think so we all do. There's ever any conflict in a church, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, you wouldn't think in a body of believers we have conflict, but we sure do, don't we? And um, and and as as I mentioned earlier, you know, the Lord is at work in those situations, and the opportunities there as leaders to to shepherd those opportunities is is significant. But when we're just focused on, oh, we've got a conflict, we've got to put that fire out. You know, the, the three men in the fiery furnace weren't concerned about the fire going out. They weren't concerned about getting out of that fire. They were focused on the fourth man. And they, they stayed in there and, and spoke with him until the king called them out of the fire. 